0: Guardian Unlimited. Questions to the Prime Minister, Paul Roan.
1: Question number one, Mr. Speaker. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, sir, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in the House. I will have further such meetings later today.
2: Paul Rohn. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Prime Minister, every year approximately 33,000 pedestrians are either killed or injured in road accidents. Yet the Department of Transport has no idea. How many of these are caused by uninsured or um, disqualified drivers? If I may give the example of Sajid Hussein from Rochdale, who over a four-year
1: period...
0: Uh, a supplementary should be brief. I, I think the Prime Minister will be able to answer.
1: Um, well, uh, first of all, let me say to the honourable gentleman that the issue of how we deal with um, fatalities and accidents um, arising from road accidents is very important indeed. Actually, over the past few years, I think the number of fatalities, particularly amongst children, has fallen significantly um, and that is a major achievement. But he's right in drawing attention to the fact that there are too many people without proper insurance who are on our, who are on our roads and that's one reason why we're looking at how we toughen the penalties for people who are um, driving without insurance and why, of course, the police are also able to make spot checks in order to discover who these people are.
2: Sub. So, General Kaufman. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Uh, uh, Speaker, may I ask my right honourable friend as First Order of the Treasury, which he finds preferable? A chance of the Exchequer following policies imposed on him by Whitehall mandarins, which drive us into the exchange rate mechanism... <laughs> ..and create economic havoc... Or a chance for the Exchequer carrying out Labour Party policies which have created record employment... Yeah, yeah, which have created record employment levels and unparalleled prosperity for this country. I think
1: uh, my right hand friend makes this point extremely well. Uh, <laughs> and some people, of course, remember Black Wednesday... Interest rates of 15%, 3 million unemployed, an economy in recession under the Conservatives. This Chancellor has delivered the longest period of economic growth in our history. We should be proud of that.
0: David
2: Cameron. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I, I don't know why the Home Secretary is smiling. He'll soon be running a power station in Siberia. <laughs> The beating Mr. Speaker, Mr Speaker, the beating of Morgan Spangeri last week demonstrated the depths to which Zimbabwe has sunk under robert mugabe 's leadership. Yeah. Will the Prime Minister confirm what the Foreign Secretary said yesterday that the government will now press the EU for an extension of sanctions against Zimbabwe? What specifically will he now do to make sure this happens? Yeah.
1: We will press the European Union to widen the sanctions, um, the political sanctions that were introduced in 2002 and which were introduced very much as a result of our prompting at the time. Um, and that assets freeze and travel ban we will seek to extend as far as we can. I also think it is important however we take action in the UN Security Council and in the UN Human Rights Commission um, and we will be urging partners in both of those institutions to come out with strong statements against what is happening in Zimbabwe which is
2: appalling, disgraceful and utterly tragic for the people of Zimbabwe. I'm grateful for that answer, but can I press him specifically on the widening of the sanctions? Will he make sure that it uncovers the following? Firstly, the widening the scope of the assets freeze. Second, cancelling EU vi- visas and residence permits for those on the EU sanctions list. And will he ensure that the Zimbabwe's bank governor is added to the list? Will he also ensure, crucially, that none of these people, including Mugabe, are invited to the EU-African Union summit that takes place later this year? Well, um,
1: in respect of that summit, I mean, the, the very issue uh, which has meant that the summit has not taken place for a significant period of time has been the problems over Zimbabwe. I also think it's important, however, um, that as well as we uh, extend the, the, the sanctions and the assets and the, and the travel ban and so on, the most important thing for us to do is to make sure that those other African countries, um, particularly those in the neighbourhood of Zimbabwe, do everything they possibly can to make it clear that this is a disaster not just for the people of Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. It also is a disaster for the reputation for good governance in Africa. There are many, many countries in Africa. Um, We met, uh, he met and I met last week, uh, the President of Ghana. Ghana is a country that has got on its feet, that has um, had democratic elections, um, that is doing extremely well, giving an example, a model of governance to the rest of Africa. And it is tragic also for the reputation of Africa when Zimbabwe is allowed to um, remain in the state that it is.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Specifically on that point, will the Prime Minister be having further discussions with Thabo Mbeki about this vital issue? What does he think can be done throughout South Africa and across the whole international community to isolate this despotic regime and ensure that it is no longer able to bring desolation, poverty and tyranny to the people of Zimbabwe? We should do everything we can, obviously, with the South African government and
1: others. In addition to this, I would like to point out that... The UK government and therefore through the government and its its financial support to people in Zimbabwe, the UK people, have provided some £140 million over the past five years in trying to help the very poorest people in Zimbabwe. When the Zimbabwean government says that we're not prepared to help with land resettlement, we have said that we will set aside a specific sum of money to help with this problem, provided that money is rooted through the United Nations Development Programme and not through the Zimbabwean government. Now, let's be very clear, however, the problem is... The solution to Zimbabwe, ultimately, will not come simply through the pressure applied by Britain. That pressure has got to be applied within Africa, and in particular within the African Union. And I can assure him we will continue to do all we can to make sure that Africa realises this is a responsibility of Africa as well as the Zimbabwean Government. Karen Buck. I'm
0: sure the whole House would unite in sending sympathy to the family of my constituent, Kojo Yenga, who was yet another of the teenagers to be a violent death on the streets of London. In recent weeks, and is he aware that far too many children and young people fear violence and crime and bullying on the streets and even in our schools? Does he agree further that whilst effective policing and strong deterrence for violent crime play a vital role, it is also crucial that we redouble our efforts to engage with our young people, to talk to them, and to invest? in strategies which will deter them away from violent crime and the gang culture.
1: Well, I agree entirely with what my honourable friend says, and it it is important also to recognise, however, that in London overall, um, last year, for example, violent crime was down by over 5%, and, for example, uh, gun crime was down by almost 14%. In addition, we are taking new measures on knives and the use of knives in the Violent Crime Reduction Bill. I think it is important also, however, to recognise this is a very specific problem in specific cultures, in specific parts of our inner city and we have also to take very specific measures in respect of obviously the help and support we give to these young people but also in respect of um, a situation where there are families that are dysfunctional, out of control and causing real problems to the whole of their neighbourhood and some of those proposals we will outline in the coming weeks.
2: associating myself with the expressions of sympathy from the Honourable Lady on behalf of her constituent. Uh, is the Prime Minister disappointed that after ten years in government the gap in wealth between the rich and the poor in this country is greater than it was under Margaret Thatcher? Yeah. It's, it's simply not correct. The poorest, no it isn't.
1: The poorest, it is absolutely correct that wealthy people have got wealthier but it is also correct that the poorest have got wealthier too. And let me just tell them how they have got wealth. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, he is absolutely wrong. Those at the very bottom end have actually done extremely well over the last ten years. And let me tell them why they've done well. They've done well, for example, at Tories shaking their heads. They've done well, for example, because of the minimum wage, which they opposed. They've done well because of the tax credits, which they opposed. They've done well because of extra child benefit, which they opposed. I don't know whether the Lib Dems have had policy positions on any of these things, but the fact is... Let's be absolutely clear. The average family, particularly those with children, have done better under this government. And yes, we haven't penalised high earners, but we've helped the lowest earners
2: a great deal. Mr. Yeah. So yeah. Campbell engaged with the argument. How can he possibly be satisfied when the poorest in this country pay a higher proportion of their income and taxation than the richest? How can that possibly be fair? Yeah. it's simply not correct. You know, it is not correct. As a result
1: as a result sorry, as a result of the measures that we have taken, actually, for those who are at, on the lowest incomes, those families don't pay tax now until far higher up the income scale than they used to. Actually, if we look at how the lowest earners are treated in this country it is infinitely better than 10 years ago it actually now compares very well with other European countries so as well as this Chancellor having delivered the highest employment rate, the lowest unemployment for 30 years, low interest rates, the strongest economic growth yes he's done a lot for income inequality too yeah. Mr Speaker in a diverse constituency like Tooting, a good museum can be invaluable in teaching young people in a stimulating way about local history and local heritage. It can give young people a real sense of belonging. Despite a generous grant settlement, Wandsworth Council is considering closing down Wandsworth Museum and meets next week to make its final decision. What does does the Prime Minister think about a local council risking community cohesion and choosing tax cuts over public services? I think the museums do do an immense amount of good for our our young people, for the broader community. Uh, One of the reasons why, as a result of us introducing free museum entry for our national museums, actually we've had millions more people go to museums as a result, some of them again from some of the lowest income families. And, of course, what my honourable friend is drawing attention to is what the reality of Tory government is like.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. In my own constituency of Torridge and West Devon, local arts organisations such as Beefwood Arts... And the Plough Theatre and dozens of community sports and charitable organisations are doing immensely valuable work for the rural communities they serve. What can the Prime Minister say to reassure them that that work will not be damaged by the draining of lottery funds to the Olympic Games?
1: Uh, We most certainly won't make sure that, we certainly will make sure that those projects are not. Um, the casualty of any problems to do with funding. Actually we are, as a matter of fact, we have already said that those projects that, that have got funding agreed will continue to have that funding agreed but in addition to that of course, the core funding for the arts has gone up by some 73% in real terms, in real terms since we came to power and the reason why a lot of those projects are supported, the honourable gentleman's constituency and elsewhere is because, precisely because of the investment we've made.
2: Shearman... Thank you, Mr Speaker. Is my right hon. Friend aware that there's a wealth of independent evidence that the Labour Party and Labour Government's commitment to education over the last ten years has borne fruit uh, right across the educational spectrum? (laughs) (laughs) But but is he also aware that there is still a real problem with staying on rates at 16 and the number of those young people not in education, employment or training? Uh, will Will he continue to campaign and have the policies right to keep young people in work, in employment and in in training, and will he he put his back, will he put, will will he put back his efforts into the new diplomas that we all want to come in in September
0: 2008?
1: Yes, Uh, we (laughs) will. Uh, and in particular, obviously, we will keep the investment uh, going in, in our schools and also in the apprenticeship programmes as well and make sure, as I think he, w- he will find from later announcements, that we do even more for, to encourage uh, young people to stay on uh, at school and also to go into proper training. Of course, it's important we provide the proper training for them and that's why um, the quadrupling of the number of apprenticeships since 1997 has been very important here. And I was being uh, told uh, yesterday when... Uh, visiting the the Department of Education, that there are now more new schools that have been built in the last five years than were built in the previous 25. And I can see, as I'm sure my honourable friend can, going round the country how this programme for refurbishing and rebuilding every school in the country is not just doing wonders for the pupils, but it's also making sure that our school results go up, so that whereas in 1997 there were only about 80 schools with over 70% five good GCSEs, the figure is now over 600. David Thank Cameron.
2: You. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The 200th anniversary of the ending of the slave trade in the British Empire is the right time to acknowledge the pain and devastation that was caused by this evil trade. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that the Bicentenary should also be a reminder of those of still suffering slavery in our world today? Will the Prime Minister confirm that 120,000 women are trafficked for sex in Europe every year and that some European countries have named Britain as the number one destination? Does the Prime Minister think that's accurate? I don't... Um I don't know whether that is an accurate description. I certainly hope it isn't.
1: However, um, what I do know is that we will sign on Friday the Convention on um, Human Trafficking, and we will also make sure, by the measures that we're taking... Um, particularly in relation to serious and organised crime, that we do everything we can, uh, not just to bring to justice those who are engaged in this appalling um, activity, but also to try and disrupt their activities by seizing their assets. And I hope very much that uh, when the new measures are proposed in relation
2: to the seizure of assets and organised crime, we will get the full support of the House. I'm I'm delighted the Prime Minister will be signing the EU Convention, as we suggested earlier on this year. Does does the... um, Does the Prime Minister Minister agree with me that one of the most useful things we can do to end this sickening trade is to ensure that when women flee their captors, there is actually a safe... Place for them to go. Will he join me in praising the voluntary sector organisations like the work of Sister Anne Theresa that provide safe places up and down the country? Will he ensure the government does, instead of listening to the man who's about to go off to the power station, will he make sure the government does all it can to support these excellent voluntary bodies? I I tell him what
1: uh, what my friend was just pointing out that it's all very well to say that he's in favour of supporting the voluntary sector and the voluntary bodies, but he actually voted against the National Offender Management Service Bill, that would have allowed precisely people in the situation he's describing to be helped by the voluntary sector. But yes, of course it's true. Um, As a result, actually, of the additional funding we've given to many of these voluntary bodies, we are actually able to help women in this situation. The other thing that is important is that they recognise that they won't be at a disadvantage if they come forward and give evidence against the people who have trafficked them, because part of the problem is a lot of these uh, women are are ignorant of what is going to happen when they get to this country, and then they are very frightened and afraid of what will happen to them if they give evidence against the people trafficking them. Speaker.
0: Uh, would my right honourable friend agree with me that delivering the Olympics is inevitably expensive? But would... <laughs> but, but... would he... Oh, Hello the Honourable Lady, to speak. The honourable Lady... Mr Speaker, would my honourable friend also accept that the opportunities for all young people, especially those engaged in sport, and the regeneration of East London is priceless. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yep, I think I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I'd, agree with both. <laughs> I'd agree with both the first part and the, the second part of what my Hon. Friend said. The most important thing to understand as well <laughs> is that as a result of uh, the Olympics, not merely will it be a huge showcase for, for the country, um, but there will, be, there will be literally thousands of jobs created, thousands of new homes built, uh, state-of-the-art facilities that will be there for the whole of the country, and the Olympics will benefit people in my constituency, in her constituency, as well as in London. It's a fantastic thing for the country and I know the country's proud of it.
2: Mark Harper. Thank you, Mr yeah, Speaker. Yeah, yeah. The Prime Minister will be aware that the Government's own target for ambulances to respond to life-threatening emergencies is to reach 75% of them within eight minutes. My own local ambulance trust in my constituency only manages to reach those life-threatening
1: emergencies in 45% of cases in eight minutes. I don't think that's good enough. What does the Prime Minister intend to do about it? I mean, actually, I think in fairness to... um, the the ambulance and paramedic service in his constituency, I think he will find that they will tell him that they have improved considerably over the past few years. There's a massive investment going into our ambulance services and paramedics. Yes, of course, we've always got to improve on it. But as I was hearing for myself the other day from people who've been treated for heart disease, as a result of the work done by paramedics today, in part, as well as, of course, the additional number of consultants and doctors and nurses working on heart disease, we have saved over the past... 10 years, some 100,000 lives. So I don't doubt we've got significant improvements still to be made, but the health service in his area and others is getting better.
2: Sir Stuart Bell. Since the... um, Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Since the European Union will be celebrating its 50th anniversary this weekend from the signing of the Treaty of Rome, and since the Prime Minister will be attending the European Council meeting in June, can he confirm that the recent agenda on the environment is one that can unite all of the peoples of Europe in its continued forward march.
1: Well, I think, uh, as I was was pointing out to the House the other day, I think it's very important that the issue of uh, climate change becomes a, a major question for the European Union, a major challenge for the European Union. We've now agreed a very ambitious and bold set of targets. And as I was pointing out to the House, and since it's slightly fuller now than it was for my European statement. I might just repeat the fact that there was, however, um, one member of the European Council who was against including climate change as one of the forward projects of the European Union, and that was uh, the Czech Prime Minister.
2: (laughs) Will Will the Prime Minister join me in supporting the National Autistic Society's campaign to make schools make sense and agree to meet with me and leading campaigner Ivan Correa from my constituency to discuss the inadequacies of services across the
1: country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know uh, enough about the particular details of the campaign to give an endorsement to it, but I'm very happy to meet with the Honourable Gentleman and the uh, campaign to discuss it, and autism is indeed a very uh, serious issue that has to be taken seriously by our medical services and schools.
2: Dr. Alan Whited. Does the Prime Minister agree that the efficiency of energy use in the future will be better served by encouraging energy companies to enter into contracts with consumers to invest in methods of reducing energy use and share the savings, rather than those companies continuing to endeavour to sell as much energy as possible to customers? Is he pressing for progress to be made in developing ways to do this, as suggested and outlined in the Energy Review?
1: I think there's no doubt at all that it will be impossible to meet our our CO2 emissions targets unless we we also do much more on energy efficiency. And he will know the very strict new regulations on energy efficiency for the building of new homes. Uh, There's then the work being done by the Carbon Trust and others. Uh, There's the plans, obviously, to switch to low-energy light bulbs and so on, which are immensely important. And even one small fact, uh, which shows the significance of small changes that if every home had at least three low-energy light bulbs, it would obviate the need for the whole of the street lighting in the, the country, it or would, it would save the same amount of energy. So there's a massive amount that we can do, and again, over the uh, next few weeks, we'll be announcing further proposals on this issue.
2: Bill Cash, will the Prime Minister kindly explain why, in relation to the sexual orientation uh, regulations, he's treated the House of Commons with contempt? And, in relation to the question of unequal treatment, he has given more preference to those who
1: stand for gay rights than those who are concerned with conscience, with family and with religion. I'm afraid I just uh, don't agree with the the, uh, honourable gentleman. First of all, um, we've had a, a, a very full debate on this in public, and we have... Uh, There has been a very, very full debate on this, and we have followed exactly the procedure we said we would in relation to the regulations. And I'm afraid in the end there is a basic choice. He takes the view um, that there should be discrimination uh, against gay people in respect of this. Well, it's no use him shaking his head, actually. That is the impact of voting against the regulations. And I happen to think that we can, if we are sensible, find a way of preventing discrimination against gay people whilst allowing those Catholic adoption agencies to carry on doing the excellent work that they do. It is a difficult balance to strike. I believe we have struck the right balance. And I think most sensible people would agree with it. By
2: tipping, what, what, what progress has been made to widen and deepen the EU emission trading scheme, particularly in respect of aviation? And isn't it the case that international agreements of this kind will have greater effect uh, in reducing carbon emissions than proposed plans to restrict individual travellers?
1: Well, I agree um, entirely with what my honourable friend says, uh, which is why I'm opposed to the proposals of the party officer of putting VAT, I think, on domestic flights. And I think we've got to be very, very clear about this. The fact is, um, people are going to travel. Indeed, I don't think uh, that that there is no no possibility whatever of trying to restrict the access to to airlines now in a a modern world where people want to, to, to do that. However, I think the right way of dealing with it, as he rightly implies, is to deal with it within the European Union emissions trading system. That allows us to bring aviation within that system, which we will do from 2011 onwards, and it allows us therefore to move in concert with other countries. If we end up penalising our own passengers in this country, it will do us no good at all. <laughs>
0: To be cleaner and greener and have a cleaner and greener environment, but in Hertfordshire we have massive road congestion, groaning infrastructure, and high pollution. St Albans has one of the highest CO2 footprints in Hertfordshire. So, will the government listen to my residents' concerns and stop ratcheting up the housing totals that we are having imposed upon us?
1: Uh, the, the difficulty is, I understand why uh, the Honourable Lady raises that concern, but the truth of the matter is, we do need more homes in the south and elsewhere. And we need it in particular for couples um, and those who are first-time buyers who need to get their feet on the first rungs of the housing ladder. And we are not going to be able to deal with the housing problems of an expanded number of households unless we're also building new homes. Now, we will protect the Green Belt. In fact, we've increased it. Uh, we have increased dramatically the amount of new build on brownfield sites. But it's not a realistic policy, I'm afraid, to say there's going to be
2: no more house building in the southeast. Gordon Banks, Mr Speaker. I wonder if the Prime Minister could take this opportunity to tell the House today what plans are being discussed uh, to cope with the possibility of tens of thousands of migrants entering England, Wales and Northern Ireland from a future independent Scotland due to a failed independent Scottish economy.
1: Um, well, I think, I think the best plans to make sure it doesn't happen. Um, but uh, certainly the, the proposal recently uh, for a three pence uh, local income tax I think is a very, very timely reminder of why it is better that Scotland remains inside the United Kingdom. Jeremy Brown. Thank you, thank you, Mr Speaker. Sir Michael Lyons has said the council tax places too heavy a burden on pensioners. Does the Prime Minister agree? It's precisely for that reason that we asked Sir Michael to, to look at the whole way the council tax works and he's published his report today. is one of the reasons why we've given more support for pensioners. Although, I have to say, I don't think there will ever be a situation in which local taxes are popular. Siobhan McDonough.
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. EDM 992, signed by 84 MPs, concerns injustice done to a local community football team. AFC Wimbledon's hopes of promotion are over due to being docked eighteen points because they didn't know that one of their players, who previously played for Cardiff Central in the English Championship, needed a uh, I, I cannot I must be able to hear the honourable lady if she's out of order. I can hear her. I can hear of honourable members are shouting up down. The Honourable Lady that they needed an international registration for this player to cross the River Severn to play football in South London would my right honourable friend the Prime Minister give his support to the thousands of football supporters up and down the country who believe there should be justice for everybody's team whether in the Ryman or the Premier League Um,
1: actually I I agree with him. As a matter of fact, I think she's absolutely right. It sounds to me a daft rule, and someone should change it.
2: James yeah. 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 Mr. Speaker, is Lord Turnbull right, or isn't the Prime Minister bothered?
1: <laughs> Actually fortunately. Do you know, know, let me tell the honourable gentleman something. Fortunately, one of the things I've not had to be bothered about in the last 10 years is the running of the economy, because he has done such a good job. And one of the things, I'm afraid, he and his honourable members will have to realise is that in the end, that is what people will judge his record on, the results. And those results have meant, in constituencies like his, as well as the constituencies of people here, that there are more people in work, that they're actually earning more, that their living standards are rising that their interest rates have been at levels not heard of for years and years and years. And that as a result of that, schools in his constituency have had money put into them, the health services have had money put into them, and there were more police on the streets. Now that is the difference between a Chancellor who delivers and a Conservative party that failed. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Has my, my honourable friend had the chance to see the recent analytical report in a daily record newspaper (laughs) highlighting
2: highlighting the potential loss of thousands of jobs in the shipbuilding industry in Scotland does he agree with provided that those who wish to break up the UK are successful does he agree with me that this is an act of unpardonable folly and it's
1: something that all of us should be bothered about (laughs) it is an extraordinary uh, situation where Um, it it is actually being suggested that we break up the oil and gas industry in the way that it works, that we break up um, institutions like defence and shipbuilding that have done so much for the people of Scotland and Scotland of course has had 200,000 extra jobs in the last few years the living standards have risen, there's been a massive investment in education and health and that's why I'm quite sure people will not want to put that at risk
2: Tim Boswell Next week the government is to reply to the all party parliamentary group report on anti-Semitism. Uh, given that we indicate in that report that the problem is growing, albeit subtly, in Britain, and there are blatant examples of anti-Semitism breaking out over Europe, will he ensure that the government's response is full and sufficient for our needs in this country and also exemplary for other countries which may want to look at this further? <laughs>
1: I I certainly undertake to do so, um, and I agree entirely with what he says. It's important uh, that we respond positively to that report. I'm sure that we will do so um, in order to make it clear that anti-Semitism, or indeed any form of racism, is unacceptable in this country. And he's also right that this is, I think, a good and, and timely moment to send a signal across Europe, too.
0: Guardian Unlimited.